0: You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hey, I'm Joe Iconis.
1: I'm Jennifer Ashley Tepper.
0: And on today's podcast, we're going to be talking about Lydia's song.
1: Which is exciting, because it's a song that Joe wrote on spec for a certain musical with a character named Lydia.
0: And a character named Beetlejuice. True. It's Beetlejuice, yeah.
1: Brought her carcass to class to keep me company
0: a move which was apparently not cool. Lydia's song.
1: Lydia's song. No. Um obviously there's a lot of songs in this album that came from Spa. Like you wrote them on spec mm-hmm. for a project. Yeah, yeah. You got the project or you didn't get the project. But yeah. the song has existed in land, and now it exists on an album. Yeah. Lydia's song being one of them. Lydia's
0: song is one of them. The movie Beetlejuice is a movie that I've always loved. And Spoiler,
1: it's Beetlejuice. It's,
0: oh yeah, it's about Beetlejuice. <laughs> um, the, and, so, uh, and so I, you know, for years was like I should write a song inspired by Beetlejuice in the way that I have written many songs inspired by movies. Uh, And there's many of those songs on the album. And when I write a song inspired by a movie, um, it's not like, oh, I want to write a song that will potentially be in the musical version of this movie. It's just like in a way that, you know, people get inspired by Central Park or museums. I am often inspired by like genre films. And so Beetlejuice was always one of those movies for me. And then um, I got the opportunity to write a spec song for uh, Beetlejuice, the musical the musical the musical and uh and so i was like oh this is perfect because this is this is a, a an idea an entity a world that i wanted to live in for a while anyway and so um yeah and so that's what that's how Lydia's song was born
1: At what point, so for Beetlejuice, when you were like, oh, I'm actually going to write on spec for this project and see if maybe I'll be writing the musical, you wrote two songs. Lydia's song was one of them. Mm -hmm. At what point do you decide, oh, this is the song that I wrote on spec that I feel like will have some future life in my concerts? Like, is Mm -hmm. it while you're writing it, you're like, this is the song I really like for concerts, and this one I just wrote Mm -hmm. on spec? Or is it like shortly after? When do you find you put it into the concert program?
0: It's, I mean, I think it kind of, it usually just kind of presents itself. You know, it usually... I I can usually just feel whether or not something is going to work out of context or not, you know? And, and so like with, and with Lydia's song, it was a case of me writing for spec, um, but, but connecting to it on a slightly bigger level. Like, um, it felt, you know, I think because it was, it was a song and a character that I had thought so much about, uh, for years, it, as I was writing it, maybe yeah, as I was writing it, it felt like, oh, uh, this is something that's a little bit bigger than mm-hmm. this moment and this potential musical. The other spec song I wrote for Beetlejuice uh, is called Ghost With The Most, right? right? Yeah, and, um, and that just feels like there's no world where that song is ever anything other than a cut song from Beetlejuice the musical you know it sounds like a spec song it's like and it's and I didn't particularly like it very much yeah. like that was a case of me writing what I I thought people wanted um which they clearly didn't because I didn't get the job but but Lydia's song is something that I I kind of stand by, you yeah. know, and it feels like this is what, this is the song I would have written had I not been writing the spec song for Beetlejuice the musical. And, so, and it just feels like uh, it can kind of live outside of that.
1: The genre that Ghost with the Most feels like to me is so specific. It's like 2000's Norbert Leo Butts production number from a musical <laughs> comedy, which there are actually like six examples of. But I when I heard Ghost with the Most, I was like, oh, this is like a don't break the rules, great yeah, big stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Insert song that Norbert sang on Smash. For the same kind of song. It's it's that kind yeah. of number. But yeah, it, it probably wouldn't work in a concert.
0: Yeah. I do think it's fun though, because the especially Lydia's song, the the sort of like sonic world of the song is very much how I felt like Beetlejuice um, should kind of operate as a mm-hmm. musical. I was very much like this, it wants to live in a sort of like highly theatrical, you know, gothic, um, world because, you know, sonically I felt like it was, that was the, you know, the, the, that felt like the sonic, um, you know, manifestation of the visuals of, of the movie Mm -hmm. and the, the, the show is like so different from that, like the show. And, and it's, and it's one of those things where like, you know, I, when I saw Beetlejuice, the musical, the musical, the musical, I was like, oh, you know what? I never, there's no way I I ever would have gotten this job because I, what I did and what I thought about it was so wildly different from Mm -hmm. this that it's not even like, there was no sense of like oh shucks I wish I could have done that because it was like this is just a totally different thing it's like yeah. a different beast
1: well I always think of this with the legendary like ragtime spec songs mm-hmm. how obviously like we all love Aaron's and Flaherty's ragtime but there's no reason why like it would have also not been great had one of the other like writers written it we would have been in an alternate yeah. multiverse of another ragtime yeah. oh my god but- the ragtime multiverse, <laughs> multiverse. <laughs> but but there are I mean it's what style the producers want obviously yeah. and there's you know not just one good answer yeah um Another thing is, I have such a favorite performance of Lydia's song. Unless I'm mm-hmm. making this up in my head, but um, there were some concerts that we did at the Beachmen um, while *Be More Chill* was off Broadway, and uh, it was really exciting because it was um, actually this is why it was the most exciting was the concerts. There were four of them, and the first one, um, correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. like we were like we wanted to go to Broadway. We thought it might happen, like we didn't know yet. The second one, a very small number of us knew we were going to Broadway, mm. and like you know, barely anyone. Else Else. the third one um, everyone on stage and like the off stage people involved with humor Chill knew we were going to Broadway but like the world didn't know and the fourth one it was like everyone knows we're going <laughs> yeah. to Broadway so yeah. the concerts had this like amazing progression um, and I just remember all of those concerts being really special a lot of like really meaningful performances and, and wonderful audiences uh, but Lydia Song I believe Lauren sang Lydia's Song at all of those if not I think mm-hmm, she sang it think at so, all of those yeah. concerts and it was when she had sadly sprained her ankle during mm-hmm. the off road be more chill and she like limped on stage with her you know crutch and like sang Lydia's song and it was just such a like happy moment of oh we're still like right across the street (laughs) like you know it was it was sad that she wasn't doing the show for a minute but that was really great and i just feel like how she does the song is so incredible
0: it's yeah it's an amazing performance and it's like and it's you know what i love about her performance is that it's it's contemporary it sounds contemporary uh, but it also is so sort of classic musical theater, you know? Yeah. I mean, in the song itself is very classic musical theater. Like, there's nothing about it that sounds like, you know, like um, like Six or something, you know? It's like, it's, it feels like it's, it's kind of like a throwback song. True. And I love that she's able to like, to harness that throwback style while also sounding completely uh, of today.
1: Yeah, do you have any favorite lyrics from this song? I haven't asked you this a lot yet, but I feel like there's just so many Fun ones. I, you
0: know, I tend to to not, I I I, I usually shy away from, um, dry, like making cultural references in songs. And actually, that's something that the the Beatles. I remember when I wrote the spec song, or the spec songs. One of the things they really wanted was they wanted a lot of pop culture references mm-hmm. in all of the songs.
1: So you gave them what they wanted. In this thing you're about to say, I gave them what <laughs>
0: they wanted. Yeah. And so, and I, because I, I, that's something I wouldn't have done. Uh, but you know, in the song she says, "I despise Justin Bieber. Vincent Price is okay. <laughs> and I, 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 I usually try to not uh, do pop culture references because it, it's it just always feels so dated. It's like mm-hmm. so cringy to me, especially in musicals when you when you hear a pop culture reference because they're they're usually already outdated. Yeah. And so I really wanted to to have the references be like very, very specific and be things that I believe will will age, you know. Well, and so I felt like Vincent Price felt like a timeless reference and Justin Bieber feels like a timeless reference in the way I wanted to reference him in the way that that character thought about him, you know?
1: All the kids get out their phones and Google Vincent Price and that's nice. I know, kids, yeah, I know who
0: Vincent Price is now. Yeah, It makes me happy and then in 50 years kids will know who Justin Bieber is because of the song. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck.
2: I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family
1: Yeah, I think that actually is an interesting thing about like "Be More Chill." A lot of the references are obviously like throwbacks or mm-hmm. uh, like kind of classic references because I feel like you did decide early on, like maybe the black suits was the only one where it was unintentional. Like, oh, we we've said Facebook chat, and now yeah. we're gonna have to revise this. So, like, how do we avoid this so musicals feel more timeless? Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, it's something that I feel like very early in my career, I like really, I really you know, kind of got off on, on the pop culture reference thing. Cause it's like, as, as a writer, it's fun because you, as you're doing it, you feel really, you know, hip and current and it's always like an easy laugh. You know, it's like, if you put like, if you rhyme something with Kardashian, it's like, yeah. everyone's like, Oh, that's so clever. Sure. Um, but it's, it's very, to me, it's very like, it's, you know, a fast foodie. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I did it at like, in uh, in the song Helen, there's a lyric um, uh, when he's talking about when he's talking about Helen in the bridge, uh, and he goes, "Buddy, I bet she's tight with Fred Durst," <laughs> and I thought that was like the funniest lyric when I wrote it, and I wrote it in you know two thousand six, uh, six, and maybe even earlier though. Yeah, like, maybe earlier. Time. And so Fred Durst, who's the lead singer of Limp Bizkit, <laughs> uh, he uh, he was someone who people would have. He was like just barely in the conversation when I wrote it, and sort of conjured up images of like you know sort of a trashy rock star who'd be hanging around with porn stars and and it and and it it like kind of worked when I wrote it, but even then. I would, people would be like, who's Fred Durst? You know, and and which also then made me feel cool because I was like, these musical theater people don't even know who Fred Durst is. I bet they've never even heard of Limp Bizkit. Um, and then, like, as soon as I got a couple years out, I was just like, well, why did I put Fred Durst in the song? Because no one knows who the hell it is. I feel it's like in so high school, aged. like, yeah. you
1: know, they're doing it in song study and they're like, Fred Durst is someone that Helen went to <laughs> high school with that was very trashy and he <laughs> yeah. was in the band. You know, which, I'm, which I'm
0: fine with. I like that reading of it better, sure. than, better than the actual one. Um, which is just to say that I'm now very specific and very careful about the pop yeah, culture totally. references. And my songs, and I like the ones in, in Lydia's song.
1: Do you feel it all though that it's harder in shows than in like standalone songs and concerts? Because I feel like in some way, I don't know if you agree, but it's Mm -hmm. like, you can get away with it when a song is just a contained song and Mm -hmm. it takes place in, you can tell this song took place in like maybe the 90s or whatever, as opposed to a show where it's being done, so it has to all be current in sort of a different way.
0: Yeah. Mm, I don't know. Yeah, no, I I, I, I hear that. I mean, it's also, you know, it's different in... In, in period shows, too. Right. Like, that's the thing. Cause, like, my, you know, Love and Hate Nation, that's full of pop culture references right. of the time, you know, because that is the thing that can, like, set you in a time and place if that's what you're trying to do. I think it's, you know, it's tricky when you're trying, it's tricky when it's, it's trying current. to be contemporary. Yeah. Yeah. It's only what's what right. What that's so true. Yeah. Yeah. Lydia's song. Lydia's song. <laughs> hey, thanks so much for listening or watching to my podcast. Uh, do me a favor and go to wherever you just listen to or watch this thing and subscribe or like or give us a great rating or review and then head to bpn.fm slash album to find out even more information about this podcast, more ways to watch, more ways to listen, and check out my album, Album. Thanks so much for hanging out. Album Podcast is executive produced by Liz Armstrong, produced by Dory Berenstein, Alan Seals, Kim Garris, and the rest of the team at the Broadway Podcast Network. Be sure to visit bpn.fm slash album for both audio and video versions of this podcast and to listen to Album.
2: no purchase necessary, VGW Group, voyeur prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply.